0: my heart's desire in this series is to push you all into sainthood. So we're talking about the biography of the saints. You have a calling. You have a purpose. It's not this thing that we call Christianity, this thing that we call faith. It's not just for super spiritual people. We're all super spiritual, right? We're all super spiritual. Anybody can do it. And it looks different. For everybody. Everybody's got a different calling. Let me just remind you of the scripture for this series Ephesians chapter 4. I wore the wrong glasses today. As prisoners of the Lord. Last time I checked, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. I'm also a son of the Most High. As prisoners of the Lord. Paul also goes on to say that you've been bought at a price. Your life is not your own. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. This is written to you. It It was written to the Ephesians, but it's also written to you. Live a life worthy of your calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. There is one body, there is one spirit, just as you were called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ appropriated it. And we're going to skip over to verse 11. These are the callings. These are the grace. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people, that's you, for the works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach the unity in faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Yes. Those five silos, those five major categories, is what is required for Granite Creek and all churches to step into maturity into Christ, to see fulfillment and unity. And you all have a part to play in, in all of these things. I'm going to pray that God begins to work inside of you right now and that there is a a resonating in your spirit of this scripture, of what you've been called to, and that you can step into your your, your calling into confidence. And then after this prayer we're going to show a little video clip of, I would say, a saint. I have been postponing Amy Simple McPherson for two weeks, and today's the day that that we're going to cover her life. And Amy, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now that everybody is... Confidence, confident in your presence in the Holy of Holies, that we walk into your sanctuary, confident of our salvation, confident of our callings, confident of your providence, of your leading, of your guidance. Heavenly Father, our lives are not our own. We are not the captains of our own ship. We've accepted for what you have done for us at the cross. And so, God, may we begin to live a life worthy of our calling. I pray right now that you will highlight into our minds, into our hearts, what our specific calling is and how to go about it. In your name. All right, let's just watch this short little clip.
1: man is dead. Faith, it has been said, sometimes has a trembling hand as it approaches God, but it must never have a withered hand. It must stretch and reach out and take hold of him. Just as a weak limb grows stronger by exercise, your faith will be strengthened if you will just stretch out and reach out and leap out and take hold of God. Hallelujah! It has been said that faith without works, that is, faith without getting up from that bed, faith without jumping up from that wheelchair, faith without throwing your walking stick away, <laughs> is dead. Faith without taking your glasses off, if you want your eyes healed. Faith without taking your ear trumpet off. Faith without works is dead. Put your faith into action. When Paul perceived that a certain man had faith to be healed, he said to him, Stand up right on thy feet. And immediately he leaped up. And because he leaped and put his faith into action, he was healed. Faith without works is like a bird without wings.
0: Amy Simple McPherson was an apostle. She was an apostle in that she created something that did not exist. Not only did she create a church, the largest church in America at that time, the largest building for a church service in America at that time, not only did she create that, she created an entire denomination where they were adding a new church to the four-square denomination almost every week and almost every month. She had such a huge impact. She leveraged technology. She was one of the first radio preachers to use that medium, and she used it well. It is estimated that at one point that one in 30 Americans were listening to Amy's sermons on the radio. She is, it's really kind of hard to figure out exactly how many people were members of her church, but they're thinking well over a million at the time of her height, in the 20s, when she was preaching this. Incidentally, when she began to start her ministry, they were in the throes of the very first world war, World War I, the war to end all wars, The one that they thought was the end, they thought it was it. You know, everybody was preaching this is the end of the world. It looked like it. It certainly felt like it. They were coming off the Spanish flu, 1917 Spanish flu. There was major political discord. And the mainstream evangelical churches were all dead. Does it sound familiar? And she changed it all. She changed it all. How did that happen? What was her calling? What was her process? She was just a simple farm girl from Canada. Does anything exciting ever come out of Canada? Mm -hmm. Amy Simple McPherson does. Simple farm girl on her way to work or on her way to the grocery store. And she takes a detour, winds up at a tent revival meeting. There was an invitation that was given out. I mean, this is a, this is a believer, right? This is, she's just already a believer. She's, you know, she's already a church girl. She already knows the scriptures. She's already studied it as a young lady. And... Yet, there was an invitation at this tent meeting for her calling. And just think about it in this way. Like the Lord opened up a door for her in a meeting. And she chose to walk through it. Open door, she chose to walk through it. Soon, she found herself... Married to an evangelist and then serving in China. That didn't go too well. Her husband died um, from, I think, dysentery or not dysentery. That's the bad one. Uh, Well, he died because he caught something bad in China as they were doing ministry work. She would go on to get married again. Her second husband left her because he couldn't keep up with her. (laughs) I just know, I don't know how else to say it. Um, his insecurities about her ministry and about her success, uh, he couldn't deal with that. And she had nothing, not a penny. And she would just her first her first big revival meeting. She goes out on the street, she took a a, a leap of faith and rented a building that she could not afford, took a leap of faith, went out on the street, got up on a chair, and stood there in silence for an hour. Didn't say anything, didn't do anything, didn't sing any songs, she just stood there in silent prayer for an hour. And that drew her first crowd. And an hour later, she invited him into... The worship hall and held her first revival. She was called not only because she had a drive, but she was also smart. She knew that there was a huge spiritual deficit in the communities in America. Most believers were disenfranchised with the church, they could not connect, they could not relate. The church was not speaking their language. The church got so high and lofty into scriptural stuff that they weren't able to speak the modern language of the people. And no one really cared. No one really cared how awesome their theology was. But Amy became a voice for those that did not have a voice. And although she was a Pentecostal, and the Pentecostal movement radically changed the world. It gotten to a point where even the Pentecostals could not reach the masses. Because, frankly, it was a little too weird. There was, they called them holy rollers, right? They, they just, you know, it was powerful, it was moving, uh, it, it had a place, but it, it wasn't for every American. There was everyday working Americans. are like, yeah, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. And Amy saw that. Amy said, you know what? We can have the power of God, and we can communicate it clearly. We can get people back into the Word of God. We can do it in a, in a normal, natural way that everyone is going to relate to. One of the things that the commentators, both his, secular historians, because secular historians cover her because she's a phenomenon. She's a she's an American icon, even though you know a lot of you're not, your, your kids aren't going to hear about her in history class anymore. She was more popular than uh, Pickford. Mary Pickford, she was the huge 1920s star. She, at, at, at some point, she was more popular than Charlie Chaplin. And again, you know, we're not going to hear about that in history books or in, in cultural references. And what the commentators say, what the historians say, is that she was an absolute master of intertwining faith and entertainment now that might be a controversial statement these days regardless she did it and everybody loved it and masses were saved because of this direction from god to say you know what you need to give them something that they want to come to and that they want to hear and she would do major plays in angela's temple holds 5,000 people. Again, one of the first big, giant, I think it is considered the first mega church. 5,000 people that are, that, that are at Angelus Temple in downtown Los Angeles. It's still there today. You can go visit it. You can go visit Amy's house. It's amazing. There's things in that house that I would like to steal. <laughs> <I love you. laughs> no, there's some cool things in there. I mean, like an, my antique dealer is coming out. I was like, oh man, I know what that's worth. Um, She would would run 20 services and pack them out every service a week, 20 services in one week. People loved it, but not only did they just not love it, they were transformed by it. And Amy is known for having a healing ministry this was a huge push and a huge leap of faith. She talks about faith in this message here, that, that God's word is, is, is powerful and it's real and it's sufficient and we need to believe it. You need to have faith. You need to know that God has you, that he's not going to let you fall to your death. You might fall an inch, but he's not going to let you fall to your death. She was used to running healing services that were 100 people, like the the, the old-school, you know, tent revival type stuff. She was used to that. And then because of her popularity, because of her leverage of media, because of what she was able to do, uh, her biggest venue, and I believe it was 30,000 people in San Francisco— The Lord instructed her to do a healing, a healing uh, service, in front of thirty thousand people, and they brought up an old crippled lady, that hadn't walked. (laughs) I'm sorry. and this old lady that hadn't walked since she was a kid got up out of the wheelchair Woo! in front of in front of 30,000 people live and then from that moment like it was on like that the that that one was a defining moment in the faith level of the multitudes Jesus. and she she was just unstoppable Jesus. amy had a vision for the people. In the ni- late 1920s, 1930s, we had what we called the Great Depression. Now, in Los Angeles, everybody knew her as being a celebrity. The media loved her. Like, newspapers were always cranking out articles because she was so unique and so, and some, I hate to say flamboyant, but she just, she just knew how to communicate The media loved her. The city of Los Angeles loved her because during the Great Depression, uh, she wasn't known for her shows. You could ask anybody in Los Angeles, she was known for feeding the poor. Her 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 soup kitchen or her, her she just gave away food, she gave away clothes, like that what she was known for. And she went into poor communities. She was the first I hate to even call her evangelical. She was the first minister in many areas that held multi-ethnic services. She had no problems going into black communities and holding tent revivals where other revivals wouldn't dare do that. She had no problem serving the immigrant Hispanic groups that were flooding into Los Angeles. When a lot of people wanted them not coming in, she fed them and clothed them. That's what she was known for. Like It's almost like the, the radio show and the, the pageantry, that was all secondary. But she was known for caring for the poor. She held a meeting in the South, and she was ministering to the poor, to minority groups. She just did not care. She was saying things that were politically controversial. She was saying things that upset not only racial status quos, but also political money status quos. The gospel message is offensive at times. And so she offended some unions I, uh, back in those days slash mafia. And there's this one true story where we don't know exactly who uh, ordered it to happen, but gangs of bad guys with clubs came into her tent meetings to purposely disrupt the meeting, to be provocateurs, to beat people up, to make sure that this prayer meeting was not going to take place. And we, again, you can't prove who hired the thugs to do it. But uh, surprise, surprise, we think it was politicians. So she got wind of it. Sure enough, the thugs came in, but before they came in, she gave everybody specific instructions. She says, we are all going to kneel down and be prostrate in prayer. And when the thugs came into the tents, they're standing waist high above everybody else who's kneeling in prayer. And they dropped their clubs and they walked out. So this is, the, this is the dynamic power of a person that is called into ministry. There's a bit of a controversy. She disappeared at one time. She was at Santa Monica Beach, swimming in the beach, and somebody kidnapped her. She ended up in Mexico and she fleed Mexico and escaped and went into Arizona. And of course, I mean, she is a rock. She's a rock star at this time. She's a celebrity American. And so that went all over the papers and. It got reported that it was a hoax. It got reported that she faked it all. It was reported that she was having an affair with her A.V. guy. Got to watch those A.V. guys back there. (laughs) Which is all of it was not true. And where the, the city of Los Angeles loved her and put her on a pedestal because she met the needs of the poor during a depression. She healed people during a pandemic. Because she was so faithful in that, they loved her. But... She made a push to get Bibles into school rooms. She questioned quite vigorously the theory of evolution. And because of those social statements and drives and initiatives that she was making, the city turned on her. The media turned on her. Once when the media was saying how amazing and how awesome and how transformative her ministry was, now the media is saying, well, she's, she's a fake, she's a hoax, this is a cult, she's, she's a cult figure, this is all about her. It, it's amazing how fast they turned on her. And even in the midst of being criticized unfairly. Like even one of her worst critics that would write about her, that would come to her meetings and write about how awful she was, you know, how it's all fake, how it's all a show. Like even that guy that wrote for like the New York Times or whatever, he even said, what the politicians and what the media have done to her is unjust. These accusations are not true. She was never caught in a lie she was never caught in an infidelity the enemy of god just had it out for her one important key that i want you to take from this one example once you step into your calling you will be criticized Once you begin to, I don't know, what are you? Are you an evangelist? Once you begin to, to take a, a step of faith and to share your faith with others, you will, people will turn on you, your friends, your family, your coworkers. Once you begin to do the stuff, well then, well, then warfare begins. And the enemy of God will use other people to get to you. You will be criticized for wanting to share your faith. If you want to start something new, if you want to start a new ministry, if you want to pioneer something that has not been done yet, you will be criticized. If you want to do something new, if you want to step outside of their traditional church box, and if you want to develop a ministry that has not happened yet, if God's placing that on your heart, I guarantee you, 100%, you will be criticized for that. And guess who's going to criticize you? The church. <laughs> Other believers will criticize you for doing something different, for taking a risk. Okay, this is the 19, 19, 1920s, 1930s. We're talking about a woman preacher here. I forgot to mention that that didn't happen back in the days. Uh, I have one scripture that I, that I read from last week that I want to read again today. You are all sons... And daughters of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For you are once for you are all baptized into Christ and have clothed yourself with Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free, nor rich or poor, nor male nor female. Amen. Amen. For you are all one in Jesus Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And heirs according to the promise. So I like the whole thing. But for today's illustration, nor male nor female. Amy was criticized for actually having that title of pastor. There were preachers, theologians that said that you can't do this. It's, it's against the word of God. Because in here, in in the book of Timothy, Paul says, I don't allow women to to teach. There's a context. I don't have time to get into it. But the same guy that says, I don't allow women to teach in the city of Corinth is the same guy that was commissioning women to teach all over the place. So it's kind of, again, I don't have time to get into it. In the New Testament, women are called apostles. Apostles. In the New Testament, women are called shepherds, which is another definition of pastor. The definition of pastor is shepherd. In the Old Testament, there were prophets or prophetess. In the Old Testament, there were leaders like Deborah. So we can just, I don't know, that's just my tradition. When I went to college and I learned that there were were churches that don't like women, I was like, what? When I learned from other church leaders that they were, they were having conversations about licensing and ordaining women, like it was like so foreign to me. I was like, man, we were awoke hundred years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Amy had a ministry that is still going on to this day, the four-squared denomination. Uh, Right down the street on Foothill Boulevard, there's a big church that used to be a gymnasium called New Life. Pastor Craig's my buddy. I called him up uh, when I was supposed to do this sermon the first time. And I said, hey, Craig, since you are a four square pastor in the denomination that Amy Simple McPherson founded, what would you say her calling was? Was she a prophet? Was she a pastor? Was she an evangelist? Was she a teacher? Was she an apostle? Which one is he? And he, 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 he had to think about it. He's like, ugh. Okay, so he said that Amy, it was his opinion, that Amy was a prophet. In that, she was able to hear God's voice about what God was saying to his people. And she had this gift to translate it for everybody to hear. Okay, that is one of the, the key uh, attributes to the prophetic gift. You hear God's voice, or maybe you just even sense an impression from God. Like you know in the spirit what God wants to do with a people or a person, and then you have the ability to articulate it. Amy did it. And. What else, he, what else he said about it is that she was able to give a prophetic declaration over a nation that needed to know Jesus. He, she called an entire culture to repentance. She was the prophetic voice in the 20s. And then I think about, oh my God, she started an entire denomination. She fed... She had food programs. She had missionary outreach. She was all over the place. She did stuff. She wrote, she wrote a, a, a weekly newsletter. I mean, she was all over the place. She created dramas. She was apostolic, for sure. Uh, pastoral care, check, yes. She cared for everybody almost to the point where she wasn't caring for herself. teacher? Was she a teacher? She's not necessarily known for being a teacher. Like, that's like, you know, uh, you're not going to learn about her in most seminaries, right? But she taught my grandfather. So she was all of those things. But do you want to know what she called herself? What her calling was. Her calling was an evangelist. Although she functioned in all of these things, her calling was evangelist. She wanted to save souls. That's what she burned to see people come to the Lord. She she burned for people to hear the good news, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Like that was like her driving thing. That is what kept her going when people criticized her. Do you know that the people that stuck with her the whole time through everything, they, they, they stuck with her through building programs. Usually when you have a building program, people leave the church. Uh, she stuck, people stuck with her through that scandal when the, the media was raking her through the coals and when the city of Los Angeles turned their back on her. Like she, people stuck with her through some, some horrible things. And later in life, she found love once again, and she remarried. (laughs) That's so stupid. I'm sorry. (laughs) What's the matter with people? Um, People in her own congregation that loved her and followed her for years turned on her because a divorced woman got remarried. There's video of her with her new husband and she's so happy she's so full of joy. God gave her that man. Because the life of an evangelist, the life of somebody like Amy Simple McPherson and we do know this from historical account. She was very very lonely. Like she preached to thousands of people like almost every day and she was very lonely. She was known to be the the last person in the building to turn the lights off by herself. And despite all of the criticism and the rejection that she got for following her calling, it was that drive, her calling, to see people saved that kept her through the worst criticism. And what she never did, she never responded to any of her critics. Mm-hmm. So if you like to argue on Facebook, I'd say stop that. Quit, just like quit responding to your critics. Yes, 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 yes. It, it's not going to get you anywhere but bitterness. So if Amy doesn't respond to her critics, you shouldn't either. So evangelism, she would say, was her driving force. So how how do you know what your calling is? Okay, The first thing that I want to encourage you to do is respond to your calling. How do you know if you've been called? There's kind of like five ways that you can look at a calling. One, is the road to Damascus experience. Some of you have had a road to Damascus experience where God's knocked you off your horse. You're on your horse. You're going to do some bad stuff. And God knocks you off and radically changes your life. You all, maybe it's you. Maybe you know somebody, but, you know, they're, you know you're about ready to you rob a store, and you're doing drugs, and you're going to do all these bad things. And then out of nowhere, God comes and shows up and wrecks your life and changes everything instantly. That's the road to Damascus experience. I mean, I wish I had one of those, but I didn't. And frankly, it's kind of rare. Do you know what's rarer than the road to Damascus experience? Is being born with a calling. I've seen them. There There are specific individuals that have the calling in their womb because of what mom and dad did in prayer, because of what mom and dad declared, because of what mom and dad consecrated to the Lord. So I believe that 100%. That there's certain people that have a calling that was placed on them in the womb, at birth. doesn't mean that they follow their calling, but they're, I've seen it. There's also a calling of the process this is majority of us here, is that you're calling, like, you're like, I have no idea what my calling is, Pastor Josh. Well, welcome to the process. It's going to take some time. It's going to take you sitting in service. It's going to take you serving here. It's going to take you connecting there. It's, you're just not, you don't, you know, maybe God doesn't want you to have a road to Damascus experience. Maybe his calling is higher for you. Maybe it's process. Sometimes you're just completely clueless and your calling comes from somebody else through a prophetic voice. That's one of the functions of the church is that, I'm actually decent at this, is that I see things in people that they don't see in themselves. And then you declare it, and then you speak it, and you encourage it into existence. So your calling, this is another reason why you need to be around godly people and quit hanging around sinners, is that your calling could be locked up into somebody else, and it is their job to declare it and to speak it over you prophetically. And then there is that calling of the open door. Like, you know when God leads you to a certain place at a certain time. You know when God, like, you don't want to go to church, and God wakes you up and makes you go to church anyway? Has that ever been, has that ever happened to anybody? Like, I don't want to go to church today. And God rings your alarm bell and says, yes, you do want to go to church today because I have something for you. I have a door that I want you to open up and walk through. Here's the thing about the open door calling is that it's a temporary calling, it's, it's, it's relocated to a certain time in a certain space. Like God's will is always done. But could you imagine if Amy had gone to the grocery store instead of the revival meeting? Could you imagine if she's like, you know what? These people are kind of weird. I don't think I want to do this. I feel a little uncomfortable. I'm going to sneak out the back. Instead, she took a step of faith, completely radically changed her life. So, what is your calling? Amy's calling is evangelism. So, we're going to pray for evangelism right now. So, Janie, come on up. I'm going to have Janie pray a prayer of blessing over us. And I want you to think, like, oh, Pastor Josh, I don't think I want to do that. Um, I want to say, yes, you do. Okay, so, I'm going to tell a quick story before I have Janie uh, impart the gift of evangelism onto us. When we think of evangelism, maybe it's a skewed, a, a skewed or a, a, a shortened interpretation of what evangelism is. So usually what pops into our mind is that there's somebody on the street that is cornering somebody with a Chick track or a Bible verse or something like that. That's, that's the, that's the, at least that's my you know, usual thing. Or evangelism takes place when you have a captive audience like your server at a restaurant, right? It's like, oh, I'm going to share my faith with her. And, and so and I understand that might make a lot of people feel uncomfortable of just approaching somebody on the street and saying, hey, can I tell you about my Lord and Jesus' Savior Christ? And then they start running away. And you say, don't run from the Lord. That's actually a meme. You've got to watch it. Like, look that one up. it's hilarious. <laughs> Sunday was my father-in-law's memorial service. And... He was a produce manager at Stater Brothers. And every morning, I got four in the morning, the sun hasn't come up yet. Every morning he had a ritual, he had a routine. And as he was training one of his employees for a couple of years, like he had to break this guy down. It's like, you need to do your job. You need to show up on time. You need to do it my way, not the corporate way. It's like he was really working and training this guy to be a great produce manager, which he did. But every day before work, Miles would be in the corner. And Alex would say, what do you do do there every morning, Miles? What what, What are you doing there? And you know what Miles' response was? You're not ready for what I'm doing in that corner there. Get back to work. Year after year, he would say, Miles, what do you do every morning? And he's like, you're not ready for it yet. You're not ready to know this one. I'll teach you how to cut the cabbage, but you're not ready for this one. And then finally one day, yes, Miles, please, I'm just dying to know. What do you do every morning? And he says, okay, you're ready. And he turns around, he had his little Bible, and he says, now is the day. Now is the time for you to get to know Jesus. Do you want to get to know Jesus? Do you want to do what I do every day? They went on over to Del Taco and he led them to the Lord. That's evangelism. It's called relationship. Mm -hmm. So you can do that. Like you might not be able to approach a stranger on the street. But you can go into relationship with them. You can take the time. You can model what it looks like to be a disciple. We have a daily Bible reading plan. Maybe take that to work with you. Maybe get there a few minutes early and start doing what Miles Mitsunaga did. This guy drove all the way from Arizona to be a part of this memorial service. That's the impact that he made on his life. And the funny thing is, I never even heard that story before. I never even knew that that Miles had the gift of evangelism on him. I knew that he was called, but I never knew what his calling was. But he made a radical difference in one person's life. So if I could have the band come on up to the front as we wrap it up. And so what we're going to do now is that we're going to pray for an impartation of evangelism. And I'm going to have Janie lead this, and then we'll... uh, We'll close with communion. Janie, go ahead. Let's stand up. Uh, Pastor Janie, by the way.
2: (laughs) Pastor
3: Janie. You know, the word evangelism has the word angel right in the middle of it. All right? Angels are sent ones that do God's work. And I'm going to pray for you guys today. Put your hand over your heart. And no matter... How gifted you feel. You are a sent one that brings the scent of Jesus wherever you are. You are, they say, you are the Bible some people will ever, you know, you're the only Bible some people will ever read Mm -hmm. by your actions, by your heart, by your love. You do things that people see but you don't even notice. Things that you do and the way that you live and the way that Miles prayed every morning Facing the corner. We we think living our life right and for the Lord is not seen by people, but you know what? God sees it and God rewards it. And I just want to bless <clears throat> God's call on your life. Mm-hmm. Whatever that may be, God, we pray, Holy Spirit, come now. Mm-hmm. Fill us, Lord, each person here, fill our hearts, fill our spirits with you, Holy Spirit. Bring refreshing of Holy Spirit fire on each one of us. And God, we say, the only thing that we can say is, Lord, here I am. Use me. And God, I pray that you would use us and I impart, Lord, any gifts that I have, I pray that you would impart them to the hungry hearts of the people standing right here. Lord, that you would stir up evangelism that you would stir up love that you would use the power of kindness lord in each person's heart and life that even when our own patience and kindness runs out lord that we say god i need help and then lord we ask that you would fill and use us to touch other people Lord, I just bless the plans that you have for each person here. I bless the plans that you have to um, fill our minds, Lord, with you. Help us to see in the Spirit. Help us to hear in the Spirit, Lord, things that you are telling us. And give us wisdom as we walk along. And Lord, help us to be a big arm around others. And whether it's physically or just through our prayers, Lord, that we... That we embrace the people that we come into contact with. Lord, we are your hands and feet here on earth for you. Use us to extend your kingdom for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Okay, grab your elements. Let's receive communion this morning. This is the body of Christ broken for you. You are a part of it. You have a plan, you have a purpose. God has given you a destiny. You are in this body. The Lord is in you and you are in him. When you receive the body of Christ, you are saying, it is your way and not my way. Receive the body of Christ for your provision and your direction. Without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I don't like being a sinner. I'd rather be a saint. We are sinners saved by grace, but we're also saints called according to his great purpose. Receive this cup for the forgiveness of your sins and begin to walk a life. In accordance to your calling. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. turn towards you in your times of need. May the Lord bless you as you respond to his calling. May he fill your heart and home with peace and with joy and with provision. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you soon.